Welcome to Sausage on a Fork, a podcast dedicated to the UK's longest-running children's drama programme, Strange Hill. My name's Neil, and in each episode, I'll interview a former cast member about their life before, during, and after their time on the programme. Welcome to the next episode of Sausage on a Fork, and I am delighted to say that I've been joined by none other than Nicholas Pandolfi, who played Matthew Cartwright. Nicholas, welcome to Sausage on a Fork. Oh, Neil, thank you so much for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. Brilliant. Okay, Nick, what we'll do is we will start as we start every episode and we'll just go all the way back. And if you can tell us how you got into acting. Yes. So um, I told my mum who that I wanted to be um, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be on stage. Age four, I'm reliably informed. And (laughs) um, so I got involved. She got me involved in the local Amdram. Uh, society and I did sort of those sort of musical theatre things you know boy on left boy on the roundabout in carousel um, boy in the background in south pacific and annie get your gun and those sort of roger and hammerstein's big song musicals you know yeah um and so learned quite a lot really from everyone i mean it wasn't we were on for three nights but we seemed to rehearse for about nine months um, <laughs> but it, it was it was really good you know as a seven yeah. eight nine nine year old it was i learned really a lot about about actually i got the confidence to stand on the stage and learn a few lines and then then my mum was really supportive and she said look I was living uh, we were living um, nowhere near London we were living in a place called Suffolk on the east coast uh-huh. and um, I auditioned to join a stage school it was quite a well-known stage school in the day um, it, it was called Corona which you know these days has a completely different <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where did you go to school Corona um, and, and I, I was I was lucky enough to, I did a few exams and um, sort of drama exams unfortunately were drama exams they've been they've been educational exams they'd have they'd have called me a bus and I'd have been straight back to Suffolk but um, <laughs> and they, they gave me a scholarship um, and um, apart yeah 80% scholarship and um because uh, it was just my mum, you know, was single parent and she didn't really have any money or anything. And uh-huh. um, she supported me, moved to London and got a rented wow. flat, got a part time job. And, you know, was without her and a few other people around. It would never have happened. And went to, went to drama school, got auditions, started doing things. And you, with the drama school, you have, you know, educational work in the morning, although. Yeah. It was, you know, it, it was it was a, this is the you know, this is September 79, early 80s. So it was. Right. I think it was before special measures. Um, but, you know, I think possibly special measures were invented because of the school I went to. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so we did, I don't know, we learned a great deal, but we, we, it wasn't quite like fame, um, the TV series, you know, we had leg warmers on. Yeah. Um, and we might've been trying to get our leg on top of a Morris Marina rather than yeah. um, an American sports car. And even then I couldn't lift my leg that high, um, but, <laughs> but it was dance. It was dance. It was ballet. It was drama. It was speech production. And it was a great education. Um, and you learned a lot about yourself and worked, you know, I was at school with Nicholas Lindhurst, who at that time right. was in a TV show called Butterflies before he uh-huh. went on to be Rodney in um, Only Fools and Horses. And uh-huh. it was just a really a magical time. Brilliant. And you've said there about it, you know, you did get auditions and that to your school. Did you get to work with anyone, you know, any big names in, in the early days? Uh, yeah. So, you know, funny, funny, I was thinking, thinking about this and just thinking back. So the very first sort of big job I did was playing um, Terrified Boy in The Elephant Man, which um, <laughs> if you're old and if you've seen The Elephant Man, terrible film. I mean, so sad. You know, it's based on a true story, the story of uh, John Merrick. Um, the incredible performance from from John Hurt and it was filmed 
at the Players Theatre down on the Embankment in London, the theatre scenes, if you've seen the film, when he sort of, he's accepted into society and um, polite society takes John Merrick out to the theatre and he's welcomed. And this is after he's been hounded and chased through railway stations and that famous scene where he sort of pushes people out of the way and he runs, he's being chased by a mob. And there's that famous line where he says, I am not an animal, I'm a human being, uh-huh. you know. Um, so I didn't really know much about John Hurt and I didn't know anything about the Elephant Man age 10. But, um, you know, looking back at it, um, it was a pretty, it was a pretty promising start for a yeah. career on your CV to say, yeah, oh yeah, I was in the Elephant Man. You know, I, I wasn't quite, I wasn't the trunk. I was boy on left. But, yeah. <laughs> it was, nevertheless, it was, a, it, was, um, it was amazing just to watch a proper film being produced, even at that young age. Yeah. Brilliant. And so I've just, I've got a thing here that obviously regular listeners will know that I use IMDB for most of my research, which I know isn't, it isn't always <laughs> the most reliable thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm fully aware of that, but it's all I've got. And you were in something called To Save Them All My Days and your character is listed as boy. I know that that's <laughs> wrong. It was Stratton Forbes. Stretch and Forbes was the character's name. And basically, it's the scene where it's, it's set um, just before the First World War in a private school somewhere. It's from a famous book by uh, someone by the name of Dangerfield. And um, it was a proper 1980s BBC costume drama. You know, those winged collars, a sort of um, no emotion, no emotion at all. <laughs> um, and short back and sides. And um, I was slightly um, plump boy, a um, bit of typecasting there, um, who was asked to run across, I think it was a rugby pitch, um, to tell John Dutine, who uh, was the sort of the lead actor, that his wife had just gone into labour and she gave birth to twins. And um, yeah, actually in the episode, he says, thank you, Stretton Forbes. So um, yeah, he, he was Stretton Forbes, not boy. All right. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. I feel, uh, I, I feel like, I've, like, like I've, been, I've been called out on that one, but it, as I say, it was IMDB, not me. Yeah. <laughs> So that's uh, so that was 1980, and yep. I'm, am I right in thinking then? So around 1980 would have been when you were also filming uh, Grain Chill, or when you started filming Grain Chill. I guess so. So, um, so I was at school. Um, so Corona, I was at school with um, Pogo Patterson, real oh, school, right. P- Peter Moran. So <laughs> yeah. when I went through the school gates for the first time um, on a Monday morning, and you know there was 250 of us, so it wasn't a massive school. There was Peter Moran. And I was a huge fan of Grange Hill. You know, yeah. I was like anybody else that would run home for a 10 past five on a Tuesday just to watch it, to watch Trisha, to watch Kathy, to watch Tucker yeah. and the rest. And Doyle. No, yeah. we, we need to talk. We must never forget Doyle. Doyle no. was an amazing character. And Definitely, obviously yeah. the uh, Grange Hill royalty, Robert Craig Morgan as Justin, <laughs> um, you know, and it was to see Peter at real school. And I was, you know, I was in awe. So I then got the audition um, went to what was then, got the audition for Grange Hill and went along to Acton rehearsal rooms. I think is where the 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 uh, auditions were held. Right. Uh, finally, got to meet the legend. I didn't know who it was at the time. The legendary um, Co- Colin Kant. Yeah. Um, and and I was chosen to be Matthew. Um, I think someone said you always you always worry with you know the passage of time, but I believe. I can't believe this is true, but for that second series, apparently they saw several hundred um, stage school children and what I call normal children. That is children <laughs> that went to <laughs> proper schools, um, rather those of us that would do a song and a dance at the click of a hat. But he, he said, we want him for Matthew. And 
that same week, I went for an audition to play the son of Sean Connery in a film called Outland. Sean wow. Connery was playing, um, I think he was, a, uh, Outland at the time bombed. It's now seen as a science fiction classic. Right. And um, <laughs> as often is the way. Right? I've, been a lot of, <laughs> I've been a lot of bombed work that suddenly is a classic. It's like, <laughs> history, history can be very kind to careers. It's a bit like politicians. You know, everyone loves them 30 years on. Um, anyway, um, so I got the part to be Sean Connery's son right. in Outland. And my agent said, right, um, Grain Shaw wants him. At, this is to my mum and, and Outland. Because my mum was a massive Sean, you know, my mum, not obviously, but she was a massive Sean Connery fan. Yeah. And she said, oh, yeah, you've got, I mean, you, you've got to play you got to play him but because we were licensed because we were licensed at that time as child performers you could only work so many days in a year right and so i was asked what did i want to do um and i said uh grange hill (laughs) please and my friend my friend at my friend at school who's a great actor went on to play adrian mole nicholas barnes um he got the he got the role um that i would have had in outland all right okay please Okay, so you started then Grange Hill uh, in Series 4. I believe you. <laughs> and you were introduced as Pamela Cartwright's younger brother, Matthew Cartwright. And Matthew was supposed to be one of these pupils that often happens in Grange Hill. They're not introduced. In, it's not like, oh, here's a new character, here's a new kid in the school. It was, it was obvious that he was someone who was already at the school. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why they did that because there was. I guess there was no backstory really. And frankly, if they did a backstory every time they brought in a new um, character, I suppose it would have taken up half the episode. So yeah. Pamela was there. She was quite well established um, as an older. Um, she was. She was quite proper though, wasn't she? But yeah. <laughs> uh, Math, Matthew made her sort of look really quite rough around the edges. I mean, he came in almost with dry ice under him because he was so proper. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, it was like, who is who is who is Matthew? You know, I'll do your homework. I'll solve the Middle East crisis. I'll do that. <laughs> I mean, he was just like, you know, he was he was everything, wasn't he? I mean, he was he was the deepest of irritants, I think, to everyone. No wonder Gripper didn't like him. I mean, frankly, you know, Mother Teresa would have had issues with Matthew Cartwright. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. And. You know, you've said there about, uh, sorry, uh, you know, uh, you found him really irritating. I mean, he was the classic school nerd, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, he, God, yeah. He, I mean, he, he was very clever. He did have an aptitude for maths, especially. But, you know, when you looked at the things he did, he was the school magazine year editor. He went to computer club when the, the school probably would have only had one, maybe two computers. But he knew how to do all the programming and everything. I'm going to ask you this question, and you'll you'll probably end the end the call. To be honest, but were you, were you anything like Matthew? <laughs> uh, polar opposites. I mean, you know, uh, I, I don't think I was ever going to win um, an Ivan Novello Award for screen talent um, <laughs> in the performance of Matthew. But I had to dig deep. I mean, I I to this day run out of fingers and thumbs and what, <laughs> right. are, the other, what are the things called at the end of your feet? Toes. That's it. <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, when it comes to counting, I mean, the idea that I mean, I guess. I guess I looked bright, um, <laughs> but you know, I think my I think my mum was like, of all the things to play, he was he was academically advanced at school, and I really wasn't. I mean, I I made my entire time at school, real school, really by just chatting 
talking <laughs> and talking my way around the fact why I didn't know something or, you know, always being gob on a stick. So yeah. Matthew, Matt, Matthew was hard work because I suppose the only thing Matthew and I really shared was a pretty severe haircut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and Matthew uh, famously was one of Gripper's very first victims as well. Um, and there's a scene where football train, football match, football practice, PE lesson, whatever you want to call it, where Matthew's really severely fouled by Gripper, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's 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 the, it's, the st- it's the legendary. It's it's, it's horrific. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what, what what was the line? I bet you know what was the line when you know if I was going to basically if I if I'd passed the ball, Gripper was going to see me off. Yeah, try a try a cart right, and I'll break your neck. I think that's what he says. <laughs> Um, <laughs> something like that anyway break your neck break your legs it's something like that uh, I'll have to ask you this because you know we've said about you being Gripper's first victim what was Mark Savage like to work with uh, well he was a little bit older than me uh-huh. um, and at that age a little bit feels a lot doesn't it yeah. and he really was like a big brother I don't think of of anyone that I've worked with in those early years in my career but I can think of someone nicer than Mark Savage. And I don't think, looking back, there are many actors who perform as well as Mark Savage because Mark Savage, he would just say, I know, because he's a very modest man. Um, and maybe that's a sign of his, of his, of his, of his greatness. But he, his performance was as far removed um, from Gripper, a, a very kind, gentle human being who cared for others and actually used to call me Sydney. I don't know, I know I ever actually found out why he used to call me Sid or Sydney, but for, you know, I think he found nipple ass um, a little <laughs> bit too much. So um, I was always Sydney and he was lovely. I mean, he genuinely was and is um, a lovely human being. And um, yeah, I have the deepest, deepest um, respect and fondness uh, for, for the man that is Mark Savage. Brilliant. And would you have considered him to be your best friend on the programme then? Um, probably, yes. I, I mean, I don't think you really think at age 11 about best friends as yeah. such. Um, he and Peter Moran, certainly. Um, right. Very different characters. Um, I spent so many happy times bunking off school, real school with Peter Moran. <laughs> right. When we'd finished rehearsals for Grange Hill, should have gone back to real school, but we ended up in Leicester Square watching a Disney film. Excellent. Eating popcorn. Um, and me actually maybe channeling a little bit of Matthew Cartwright then, thinking, I don't think I should be doing this. I think yeah. I <laughs> oh, brilliant. I should, be, I should be doing my homework. Yeah. In, in that first series, there were a, a few different things that Matthew was sort of involved with. And, you know, like, because he was clever at maths, he, he helped Danny set up that lottery, didn't he? Which Gripper then got involved with as well and made people were paying Gripper instead of Danny and Gripper sorted it so that he would win or, or something like that. I, I can't exactly remember, but we've talked about um, Matthew was, he, he was shown to be like co- quite a sensitive kid, wasn't he? But he was quite feisty when he needed to be. Like when Pogo was having a go at Richard for, you know, Richard was in it as he was not as well off as other people. No, he, Richard had a really rough um, upbringing and was, was a typical example of what Phil Redman started and what the writers carried on 
of showing children at home, not a cosy drama, but actually what it was like to not have the right kit, to accused of being smelly because perhaps you didn't have many as baths as as other Mm -hmm. children because your parents didn't have any hot water or whatever else. And that's what, you know, I mean, he, yeah, absolutely. And Matthew did stand up for him and was, wasn't just one dimensional. Maybe there was a little bit more to Matthew than perhaps I unfairly suggest. He did have a moral streak. Yeah, and definitely. whilst he didn't, he didn't have the physicality of, of Gripper and others, he knew what was right and he knew what was wrong. And I think it's important to have characters like that. I mean, in many ways, that's what, you know, the great, um, you know, we all walked in the, in the, in the, um, in the, shadows of, of the original cast in my view anyway because uh-huh. a, bit, a bit like um you know the doctor who doctor who only works because the act is fantastic and you can regenerate and you have a whole new cast um <laughs> but R- R- robert craig morgan was had similar sort of um um attributes to matthew didn't he or matthew yeah. had similar attributes to, to 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 justin in the sense that there was sort of a moral compass and i think that's important within a in a drama you've got the negative you've got the badness you've got the goodness and You've got the in between, and you know that's life, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, was there anyone who you particularly enjoyed working with? I, I think I think um, Brian Capron, who was obviously one of the teachers, Mr. Hopwood, he was hilarious because he had an incredible dry sense of humour, um, and also Brian Capron um, um, never really ages. I mean, he looked <laughs> he looked like that for about 30, 40 years. He was yeah. really young, you know. Yeah. Um, and he was just a really nice person. I was always a little bit nervous around, um, as I call her, Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, Gwyneth Powell. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, she was the head. Um, yeah. And she did. I think she had a bit of an aura about her, you know. You know, you know she used to call it, okay, Pandora, let's not do that. And it yeah. was a little bit like being told off by the head, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. The guy that played Mr. Sutcliffe, um, he was just a lovely, lovely, lovely person. And... Yeah, I mean, there were there were people depending on the scenes. I mean, I think Mark Burdis, um, who played Stewpot, was yeah. was just one of life's sort of you know he you just you should bottle Mark Burdis's enthusiasm for life. Yeah. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be still there in Grangehill when the next set of characters came in. So you know, um, from 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 Roland to to everybody else, yeah. and um, Urkam is is just you know another just a just a cheery bundle of life that just yeah. sort of brings a really positive atmosphere to to any room so i'm not gonna say i had favorites i mean you know there were people that i didn't think well put it this way there were people that didn't get on with me Thanks. um <laughs> made quite who steered clear you know that people, you, you didn't when you went to the the bbc canteen for your lunch there were clearly people that you didn't go and sit on their table because like, okay, right, right, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, remember, like just like real school just like real school okay <laughs> i'll go and sit in the corner then and do, and do your homework um but I, I believe to this day that um the most famous person in grange hill ever was naomi campbell who played an yeah. extra you know yeah. and um i remember her I remember her, i remember her height because i remember she used to sit down outside studio seven in the corridor of what was the green assembly at television center uh-huh. and i just remember always having to step over this 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 long this tall girl's legs <laughs> at, you know who would have known that she'd have gone on with a few years to be one of the most famous and most beautiful people on the planet yeah brilliant brilliant now it's sort of a bit about uh, you know we, um, obviously I've, I've mentioned it a few times how, how clever matthew was and Brilliant see, is the word. We, we see that in the uh, <laughs> we, we, we see that in the finale series four when they have the battle of the sexes quiz. 
brilliant and, that was, wasn't it? That was that was what that is what TV Granger was all about. It was just about come on, let's have a bit of a party. Um, it's, it's a disco, but we've got we've got a cake baking. Uh, we've got <laughs> we've got a quiz that's got cheating. We've got teachers that don't know the answers. I mean, it had everything, and you had Kathy Hargreaves doing impressions of Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> So bit of everything in there. So, so that, that that that's where we do see, you know, a bit of a, another side to Matthew because there's a couple of times where answers were given, and you see Matthew nudging or whispering. So he does it to he does it with Justin, and he does it to Mr. Morgan, who I don't remember seeing in any other episodes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but and and he's blatantly telling them what that they've got the answers on. He's blatantly telling them what the answers are, but he, he they managed to get away with it. And and the quiz is, is called a, a win for the for the males. So That's yeah, I've got you've got you've got Justin, haven't we? You've got Justin, Mr. Yeah. Morgan, and Matthew, and there's someone else. No, there were three of us. There were three of us. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, and and. I, I just love the fact that, you know, Matthew was the one who, who was always seen to be, right, let's do it this way. You know, we, we, we've got to do it right. Um, yeah. It should be like straight down the middle. But in that quiz, you see him nudging and whispering and stuff. And, and I love that we get that other side to him as well. So that was the end of Series 4. Well, move on to Series 5. And in Series 5, we get to see the rest of Matthew's family. Yeah. Which I think is nice, you know, to get, a bit, um, you I mean you were talking before about backstory and stuff. We get a little bit there, and it, it makes him a little bit more of a rounded character, doesn't it? The fact that we got to see where he lived. It was nice. It was nice for me because obviously, you know, I mean, all I, all 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 I ever had, like any of the other cast members, I guess, um, I never asked, but I guess it's the same. Was that you got you, you got a pile of scripts, um, and that was it. You know, you had your. Matthew walks into a room, opens a dictionary, looks up sex education or whatever else. <laughs> um, and we're at home in what is clearly a very affluent home. If you think of the sort of homes that, you know, like Benny, Benny Green um, yeah. in that in, in series one, you know, clearly a very sort of very different background to where Matthew came from. I mean, the kitchen scene, I remember, I remember thinking, wow, they've, you know, they've, they've splashed out here. Yeah. I mean, it looked like, a window uh, window dressing for Laura Ashley. I mean, you had pine furniture, um, print curtains, cushions. Mum looked a bit like Wendy Craig. Um, I remember my mum, who couldn't have looked less like Wendy Craig. I'm thinking, why do they think your mum looks like her? <laughs> I said, I don't know. They think Matthew's bright. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah. And then and we got to meet, uh, obviously, Matthew's dad as well. Now, yeah. I always thought about Matthew's dad, and maybe this is just me judging on appearances. He looked quite handy. Matthew's dad, I thought he looked like he could handle himself. You know, he was a, a big fella. He had, you know, whether whether he was naturally bald or it was a skinhead, but I just thought, oh, he looks like he could uh, definitely handle himself. That fella, like, I I remember I remember meeting my uh, Grange Hill dad for the first time, and my my first recollection. I'm going to have to look it up again if I can find a DVD. <laughs> But um, if you're old enough to remember, if you're old enough to remember Grange Hill series four or five, you will remember this. I thought he looked a bit like the man from Fingerbobs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But without the kerchief and without without a glove puppet on his hand, he was ready. For, <laughs> he was ready for action. No, you're right. He was he um, he probably thought, who is this, Matthew? What <laughs> is he a son of mine? Are you you've been seeing the neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And, and I think one of the reasons why. Matthew's family were brought into it was because that was the year when uh, Matthew's year group were going to be doing the sex education lessons and Matthew, you know, took the letter home and uh, his mum and dad were like, yeah, fine, not a problem. And 
I don't think that was what Matthew was hoping his parents were going to were going to say. No, I think I think again it was just clever of the of the writers who, you know, either had children of their own or could remember clearly what it was like to be at school. And anyone mentioned the sex word, and she's like, "Oh no, you know, dig me a hole now. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to hear adults telling me about sex. No, please, like, please go away." And I think it was really, really powerful stuff to do, and um, it was directed really sensitively. And I think. Um, I think it's I, I probably really quite enjoyed that um, because it was it, it was about something that was it wasn't bullying related as such. No. And it became that perhaps latterly, but it was very much about something that was going to affect lots of viewers. You know, and I suspect there were yeah. people watching it thinking, oh, no, Grangeville's talking about sex now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. Matthew said he didn't want to do it because he thought no one else in the class would take it seriously. But I think there was that underlying tone, wasn't that, that he, as you've just said there, he just didn't want to have to go through that sort of embarrassment, I think. Oh, and I start talking about parts of the body and, and you know, how babies are made and, and all that. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, could we just not do algebra? Could we please? Yeah. Can I, I skip sex education and do geography, perhaps? Double geography. Yeah, I mean... You mentioned it before about him, him you know, him, him picking up the dictionary and looking up sex education and stuff. But whatever, whatever that book was that he was looking through, that sort of played with his mental health a little bit, didn't it? Because he did start getting a bit of a a, a ribbon from the other lads um, about things, and he and he, he said to his mum and dad, you know, I've been reading up on it. People in school have said I'm not normal, and I'm not. No, it was a medical encyclopedia, and um, and I think again. How, how accurate was that? You know, anyone that's worked in a school, anyone that remembers their school days, remembers someone being bullied for, the, for, for more or less those very same reasons. Yeah. And, and I think because, you know, I had quite a, um, you know, quite a baby face and looked younger than I actually was. Um, I, think that, I think that worked really well for Matthew's character yeah. um, because Matthew did look a little bit like a seal pup in a bright light it's like whoa what's all this yeah i came here to i came here to do maths <laughs> and then in that episode or around those episodes as well he was bullied by gripper again yeah um, and there's that scene where mr baxter <laughs> mr baxter finds matthew in the bushes with no uh i nearly i nearly went really scouts then um, and said with no kecks on but with no trousers <laughs> on <laughs> Yeah, so he was found, you know, without his trousers by Mr. Baxter. And I love Mr. Baxter in that scene. I think he's tremendous in that scene. Well, bullet, I mean, how lucky again to, you know, as someone that grew up with Grange Hill, yeah. um, to be in, I was in a few scenes with with Bullet Baxter. Yeah. And um, a lovely, lovely man who, you know, was again, again an incredible actor who was just doing a job, you know, um, called yeah. Grange, a bit of telly in between doing Shakespeare. I mean, he was incredible yeah. and still is, you know. Um, and, and yeah, I, it was, Matthew was snivelling in the bushes. We were filming it in the playground. It, was one, it wasn't Wilsdon, which was always the main exterior shots during my main time at, at Grange uh-huh. Hill. It was um, actually Fulham, off Fulham Road, I think. It was that school, which is still yeah. there. I think, they, I think they filmed some Doctor Who there in the 80s as well. Um, and um, if you look on Google Maps, yes, I've been that tragic. I've done it. The tree <laughs> that I actually sat under is still there. Uh, but, but my trousers aren't because Mr. Baxter saved the trousers and right. he turned the trousers to Matthew, <laughs> so it's all right. Brilliant. And 
what I love about him in that, what I love about uh, Bullet in that scene is that it, it's very of its time that that that, that scene because yeah. you know he doesn't like the fact that Matthew is upset, but he says to him, "I, I wrote I wrote down the line. If somebody has a go at you, give them some back." And I love the fact that a teacher is saying that to a pupil because. I've, because kids need that, that, don't they, sometimes? Well, so, sometimes, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure it would be worded differently now. Yeah. Um, and But actually, that's what a parent often would say as well. You know, yeah. if you don't stand up to the bully eventually, you know, you get consumed by the bully. I guess, yeah. you know, if we become too analyze, we don't analyze it too much, perhaps, because it is just a TV drama for kids back in the 80s. But yeah. it was it was it was a darn good bit of TV drama for kids back in the 80s. And uh-huh. actually, that's what teachers probably would have said in a comprehensive set in London. Um, but I said, look, you know, give a bit back. Yeah. Yeah. And as you've said, there, uh, Mr. Baxter did come to the rescue and get Matthew's trousers out of yes. the sea. Yeah, there was um there was if you look back if you look at the episode when he he sort of steps up to the branch where the trousers are uh, uh, remarkably mr baxter has almost marvel like um superpowers <laughs> and elevates himself um with the help of a small box um so yeah he, he didn't sort of just slow motion leap he managed <laughs> he managed to get the trousers down from the tree that is um <laughs> with with the help of a box brilliant and then carrying on with the the bullying uh, theme, Matthew wrote an article about bullying for the school magazine, and there was a I remember there seemed to be a big thing around it uh, with the um, the editors of the school magazine, shall we say, saying, "Oh, should we really put this in? Do we want people thinking that you know? Did they want people thinking there was bullying going on or?" On the, on the other side, what would the bullies think if they saw this article written by Matthew Cartwright? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, do you think the bullies would have read the school magazine? <laughs> well, probably, there you go. They'd, yeah. have probably, they'd have probably rolled it up and hit somebody on the back of the head with it. But <laughs> I think, again, that sort of that that touch of censorship, but not from the from the it was actually from the from the students themselves saying, should we put this in? Is this going to cause us? Is this going to cause us problems? Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, clever writing. And not just taking the easy way out and just saying, yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about bullying in the school magazine, which is what some might do. Actually, there was there was then a debate around it. Should it be right? Yeah. What, what are the ramifications of doing that? Is that going to cause? And that's good drama, isn't it? Yeah, it gets definitely. people's imaginations thinking in all different different directions. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that was like the, the recurring theme for Matthew in series five. A lot of it did centre around the bullying and just how horrible, you know, Gripper and, and Denny were way to him like I know obviously we saw a lot of different a different side to Gripper's bullying later on but at first he just went after the weak kids didn't he 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 went after the weak and sensitive kids Gripper but because there was a scene where you know Matthew had a new watch and Gripper was there saying oh I'd hate that watch to be broken but I'll be nice and give you protection for that watch if you give me you know the the money or, or, or whatever but there's also a scene with Mr McGuffey with yes. Gri- Gripper and his henchmen. And I think it's a peace shooter. A gripper fires at, at McGuffey. And when he turns around to ask who it was, Gripper and his henchmen all just stare at Matthew. You know, the, the way the way the way horrible kids do. <laughs> this 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 was this was pre the Weatherfield one when Deirdre <laughs> was sent down for a crime she didn't commit. I mean this was 
this was the teaser for for Coronation Street writers thinking, <laughs> look what they've done to Cartwright. Let's do it to Deirdre a few years later. Yeah. And yeah, and and that I mean that you know we didn't quite have the T-shirts um, that said you know freak freak. <laughs> I wasn't dispatched to Brookdale or anything, but nevertheless, nevertheless, um, Matthew was was wrongly accused, and yeah. I remember I remember the the scene in the studio having to walk down the steps of shame to yeah. go and sit outside the heads Mrs. McCluskey's uh, room, you know, shamed, shamed yeah. with pea shooting. Uh, what a, and what a great performance, Mr. McGuffey! What a character! What yeah. an actor! I mean, Mr. McGuffey should have had his own spin-off show I mean, he was just i mean he was just brilliant i mean he was everything you wanted in the sort of archetypal slightly scruffy scruffy mcduff mcguffey <laughs> but he he was just brilliant so there was so much going, what was mr mcguffey's home life like i mean there yeah. was so much going on there wasn't there it was a whole series definitely definitely but then you know to be fair to scruffy he did find he, he realized later on didn't he that he'd been made a fool of and he went he realized it wasn't matthew and he did go and find him and and apologise. Matthew was a patsy. He was a patsy. Yeah. He was wronged. It wasn't quite the grassy knoll, but <laughs> nevertheless, um, yeah, Matthew had been um, had been shamed. But you know, justice justice yeah. prevailed. Neil. I think I think sometimes as well because he did this a few times in Grange Hill, and, and I think it's where where the teacher hasn't always got full control of the class, and it's sometimes he showed that it was easier for the teacher to have a go at the kids who, who wouldn't always stand up to him or who would do as they were told. Sometimes it, it happened a few times, like to try for the teacher to try and show the class that he has got some sort of control. Because there was a few, as I say, a few teachers later on, um, you know, Mr. Mr. Scott, Aaron Bell, who's been on, on the podcast, he was, he was exactly the same way. He had no control over his class. And he'd pick on all, he'd pick on all the quiet and sensitive ones who were trying to be nice to him, you know. I <laughs> mean, uh, did that a couple of times, and also in that series, series five, towards the end, the school review, and Matthew oh, ended yeah. up Matthew ended up in the school review, didn't he, with a, a tin man costume on, but he couldn't breathe. He said, "Or oh, and he couldn't see." Was that true? Could you not see? No, because it was it was basically a, a cardboard suit made made to look like um, the Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz. Right. And um, the, the the deal was that Kathy Hargreaves was playing sort of a character that resembled the Prime Minister of the day, really, because she had a handbag and a nice twin set and pearls, and um, and pretty good impression of of the then Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher talking uh -huh. about. Um, her transformation of education. So, you know, Grainshield staying true to its roots. Yeah. As political as a children's drama show can get, <laughs> but nevertheless, yeah. there was an undertone there for anyone that wanted to watch it. It was very real, you know, that for everyone that loved Margaret Thatcher, there were an awful lot of people at this time that loathed Margaret Thatcher. And the, <laughs> and the show, the show was set in that day, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Matthew had this massive sort of axe and he was basically, you know, it was about school cuts, wasn't it? So therefore yeah. the, the lopper, as he was known, was chopping through um, this scenery, and they, you know, they, they poked me in the back to say action because I couldn't really hear anything. I had this massive cardboard hat on; I couldn't see anything. So I was just pointed in the direction, chopping, and then, and then, and then there was there was gruel, wasn't there? And there was like a porridge fight uh, yeah. uh, uh, from memories. And I remember that scene so well because that was actually filmed in reverse. So that was one of my first scenes in that series to film, right. and that was the first time that I was on screen. With Tucker Jenkins, right? How, Fisher, how did that feel? Fisher. Well, it was a little bit like um, if you're if you can imagine being a royalist and finding out that in five minutes 
um, Prince Charles is popping around to say, hello, <laughs> hello what do you do? Um, <laughs> and that's how it felt. It yeah. felt amazing because, you know, um, Todd Carty was and is a star. And, um, and I, like millions of others, watched him as Tucker Jenkins and thought he was Tucker Jenkins. And there I was in a scene on my back, um, dressed up as the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz with my hat head being taken off um, <laughs> by Trisha. And there's Tucker in his famous leather jacket. Yeah. Uh, and saying, and, and, and I even got a name check from, from Tucker Jenkins. And right. watch it, somebody said they were watch it Cartwright or something. <laughs> and it was just like, this, this is, and, and they're paying me to be in it. Yeah. And it's just like, this, this is brilliant, you know, and yeah. I remember that really well because, again, that older cast, that original cast who seemed like, they seemed like adults, really, um, and they weren't, yeah. but, you know, they were very mature um, in, in their years anyway. Um, yeah. And they were lovely. I mean, they were, without exception, they were lovely. And the first time I bumped into Justin, uh, Grainshaw royalties I always refer to him, uh, Robert, <laughs> Robert Craig Morgan. You know, I found him having a bit of a drag on a on a cigarette round the back of um, um, of, of Wilsdon High School, and it's just like he said, you know, and I was offered one. I said, no, thank you, because I was in character. Matthew wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, to the end. Yeah, and it was just just wonderful. I, I just um, I I know people. Everyone has a favourite time. Um, you know, everyone has a favourite Doctor in Doctor Who. Yeah. And everyone has a favourite character or season in Grange Hill, I'm sure. And Mrs McCluskey or, will always be the head the most. Yeah. But <laughs> um, those of us that followed, even the greatest performances that followed, we only followed because of those greats that created Grange Hill, from, uh -huh. from Phil Redmond, the writers, the directors, and that original cast made everything that followed possible. And it should ne they, um, I know they won't be, but they should never be forgotten for their contribution to children's TV drama because they changed TV drama, that original cast. Uh -huh. And those of us that followed, yeah, we sort of, we followed with, and we carried the baton, if you want to use that analogy, but they were stars and yeah. remain stars. And um, it's thanks to them that you and I are talking about Green Shield today. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so then that was the end of series five. And we didn't see Matthew again after no, that. Well, he was like Willow the Wisp. He appeared one day and vanished <laughs> the next. And that was really simple down to I was still under age, um, under 16, and therefore you could only work so many days a year. And I was offered a Disney film, a small part in a Disney film, which was called Return to Oz, which was right. a follow on from the return. Again, a film that bombed at the time, but is now seen as a classic. Yeah. Um, a bit of a bit of a. <laughs> <laughs> With a pattern here, yeah, um, and then and then I was offered six months in the West End with Stephen Fry, um, with a cast of fourteen um, other youngsters wow. in an Alan Bannock play, and it's like, do you want to do more Grange Hill? Um, and you, that would use up the majority of your license days in a year, or would you like? And my mum gave me the advice. I'd chosen to go into Grange Hill and said, I think you need to do this, and she wasn't a pushy mum. She wasn't a showbiz mum at all, but she yeah. was right. And actually, long term, it helped my career. Um, because I didn't, I did a, a better variety of work. Right. Um, and I, it was terrible leaving because you, it felt like leaving school again yeah. and you're saying goodbye to friends. Um, uh -huh. but I don't regret it. Oh, brilliant. You just mentioned, I just go back there to return to us. So who did you play in return to us? 
So the series of books, of which there are many, I believe, um, there was a police force and Root was the character. And right. incredibly, um, my, my outfit, which was sort of green velvet, and I had, I had to escort the Wicked Witch, who was then played by Jean Marsh, uh -huh. who, for someone listening to the podcast, may remember played Rose in Upstairs, Downstairs, famous, right. famous actress of the 70s and 80s. Um, and I had to escort her sort of prison cage in. And my, I was told by a friend that my out, and I've checked it out, it's true, that my outfit is in some Disney, um, Disney museum that wow. goes around the States. And it, it was this big sort of like witch's hat, green sort of velvet green, witch's hat, green, um, green velvet jacket. And I don't know, I don't know, they were obviously big on velvet in Ozland. Um, but anyway, um, so it, apparently there's the, in this Disney museum, it says the character of Root played by Nick Pandolfi. And I'm thinking, my career's in a museum. That's, I mean, that is quite <laughs> something really, isn't it? Let's be honest. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean, well, the outfit's in the museum. I'm, I'm, I'm st maybe they're waiting for me to put me in the glass case. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think that's quite a that's quite a nice legacy to have. I think, I, really. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. I I love I love Return to Oz, honest. And I think what I like about it is it's because it's so different to the Wizard of Oz. It's really dark, isn't it? Dark, it, and honestly. there's no there's no sing songs, and yeah. there's nothing. I mean, it is it's not it's not child friendly, but it is child friendly because it's really dark and, and ignites a magic. I remember my sister who's a lot, lot younger than I am. Um, she watched it. So I think came out in what, 1984, I think something like that. And she was terrified because the, it was really dark and little Dorothy who was played by this wonderful Canadian actress. Um, Feruza Bulk it was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, who had the most mesmerizing eyes and incredible performance. I mean, really yeah. stunning performance. Uh, it was really dark, really menacing, but um, at the time didn't do well for Disney, but has done really well ever since. And yeah. the generation that grew up with it now love it and yeah. um, can't get enough of it. I mean, the the wheelers, the uh, wheelers, they uh, hated <laughs> us. The wheelers, they they were they were circus performers, and they they did nothing but moan about us because apparently we're all making too much noise. So the wheelers <laughs> were were as terrifying in real life as they were on screen. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Now, you've mentioned about being on the West End as well, but also uh, through your IMDb profile, I've noticed that you were in uh, Educating Marmalade. Playing, yeah, that was a yes. Playing I, the posh boy. <laughs> posh boy again. I know. I mean, who, who thought, I mean, do you know, the tr it's really odd because I think it's the greatest performance is actually me being me because I'm, <laughs> I'm as rough as muck, really. I mean, if you actually look, if you look at if you look at my bloodline, I mean, I'm really I'm really dodgy back, really dodgy background. Yeah. But but I've been for my you know my working life have been winged collars and you know um, um, typical sort of southern radio um, presenter voice. And it's like, <laughs> what a great performance! Because if they knew, uh, I mean, I, I, um, this is this is all fake. Um, but yeah, so that again, I mean, that was with um, that was a really small cast. It was set in Eton, and basically the story of Marmalade. I mean, Marmalade Actors was just brilliant. It came from a book series, yeah. a series of books, and it had the best theme tune because it was sung by Bad Manners. Right. <laughs> um, and it was a Thames TV filmed at Teddington um, Studios, where they used to do the Benny Hill show. It's now a housing development, obviously, because that's what they do in TV studios now. Um, and it was it was just Charlotte Coleman who. It wasn't much older than me, but she had this this presence, and because she went on to so many great things, including um, four weddings and a funeral, uh -huh. and was taken from us way way too young. And uh, again, another super talent that you sort of 
you just knew somehow you knew like with Mark Savage and with others you just knew you were in the presence of someone that had something yeah and it's difficult to explain it at the time but you just knew you sensed it and Charlotte Coleman had that in bucket loads yeah another one there again with the the school theme again goodbye, <laughs> goodbye Mr Chips yeah another short back inside um <laughs> another another oh yes thank you very much um, one of those sort of, um, it, was all, it was all, you know, they, everything was very, very of that time. I think the BBC sort of must have bought an awful lot of winged colours. And they thought, what are we going to do with all these winged colours in the wardrobe department? <laughs> hey, let's make another drama about a, a, a boys' public school and get a few short, short black uh, back and sides in. And, uh, you know, um, and that's, and it was, um, who did we do that with? We did that. Um, oh, I'm talking about, I'm t- that, look, I'm talking. Who did we? I'm talking about myself in the third sense now. Who, who did I do that with, Nick? I don't know. Who was that with? Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it Roy? 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 Roy Marsden. That's right. Um, it was Roy Marsden um, who played the head. Who went on to play that detective series? What was he? He was that detective series on ITV for years, wasn't he? He was always going around slowly, sort of before before John Thor. But yeah, that was another another great experience. But it was a bit similar to serve them all my days and forty years on. It was sort of you know waistcoats white yeah. stiff collared <laughs> shirts and terrible haircuts <laughs> and then and then your, your last entry in uh, on your imdb page is something called reunion played a nazi in that that was right set, okay yeah a little bit yeah. different so so that was a bit of a jump that was a bit of a jump i was sort of channeling sort of the 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 bully boy um perhaps that um I'd started off with in, in Grain Chill and Experience as Matthew. Yeah. Um, but that was with um, Sam West, who's gone on to be a great actor, um, yeah. an American actor called Jason Robards, set in the war, set in how Germany was being overtaken again within a school environment and right. how the Nazis and the brown shirts slowly took over every aspect of society right. in, in 1930s Germany. And and centred around the bullying of someone of Jewish descent. Right. Um, Howard, Howard Pinter was the screenplay. So you're talking about one of the world's most famous mm-hmm. um, screenplay writers who was on set. Um, and he was known as the pause man. I think his critics call him the pause man because he's a great one for writing a line and then having nothing <laughs> and, make, and, leaving the, and leaving the audience. You think, what's happened? That was happened. <laughs> You know, um, yeah. but again, an amazing experience to work with um, a, a wonderful cast of actors that you wouldn't necessarily know their name. But if you saw and you think, I've seen him, I've seen her, I've seen him. Yeah. And it was like, I've obviously knew him. And um, yeah, it was, we filmed in Berlin. We stayed at a hotel. That uh, We went to nightclubs and strip clubs and bars and explored <laughs> Berlin every hour um, that we weren't on set. And again... An amazing experience, yeah. it really was. So, what? Um, if you don't mind me asking, what sort of accents did you have to use for that one? Well, the, yeah, that's the that's the irony <laughs> of, of 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 films. I was playing a Nazi or playing a German, but you know, um, in all honesty, maybe sounding slightly younger, but not really sounding very different to the voice that you hear. <laughs> right, <moment>. okay. Because <laughs> I remember as a kid watching the remake of All Quiet on the Western Front. And didn't quite understand it because everyone, <laughs> everyone had American accents. Uh, it just, it, it absolutely baffled me. So I was just wondering if it was the same sort of thing. Then it sounds like it was. So, so that, that I'd say that's your last entry on on IMDb. So what did you what did you do after that? 
So uh, that led to two years at the Barbican, um, doing sort of um, some Akebourne and some Shakespeare and holding the spear in the back and <laughs> learning um, the Doc Brief, which is a great sort of two-header play, um, doing the Browning version at uh, the Leather Leatherhead Theatre. It was then known as the Civil Thorndike Theatre, but it's now, I think it's now known as the Leatherhead Theatre at a rebrand. And um, then spent some time in the States at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, which is a massive, massive Shakespeare festival. And I was housed with a family um, in, you know, in that part of, um, of the States, which is very friendly, very welcoming. Um, not to everyone in society then. Yeah. If you're the right color, it was very welcoming um, as far as they were concerned. And um, yeah, it was, it was a great experience and uh, it was, you know, I learned a lot about stagecraft and you wanted for nothing. And I, I explored that part of, of the States for, for, for a while. I came back and realized, okay, what's next? Yeah. And then by accident, fell into radio. Right. Okay. And that's obviously where, what you're doing now. That's what I've done for the last uh, 20 odd years. Yes. Is right. um, playing a part of being me, which um, <laughs> is a lot. It's a lot easier because you have to remember the lines, <laughs> and no one, no one knows more importantly, Neil, if you get if they get the lines wrong. Because no, I meant to say that. No, yeah. I meant to say it that way. So, uh, I mean, you've got to give us a plug now. Where, where are you working then at the moment? So I work for BBC Sounds, um, writing some comedy um, for comics that you'll never have heard of and may never hear of again if they actually have to read out my gags. And um, <laughs> I'm also I'm also the UK correspondent for um, for Radio New Zealand and for a talk station in New Zealand uh, called Magic Talk. Right. And yeah, so I've uh, I was lucky enough to um, win an award as, as BBC Presenter of the Year twice um, wow. for my speech work and. Um, yeah, I, th I think in all honesty, I think they looked at the surname Pandolfi and thought, that'll tick a box. Let's, <laughs> let's, have someone, let's have someone this year with a surname that no one can spell. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, okay. So we are just sort of coming to the end of the interview now. So I've just got a, a few more questions for you. And they are, they are all Grange Hill related. It's of course. It's the way we end uh, every every interview. <laughs> so recently, there's been talk of a Grange Hill movie in in the pipeline. First of all, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, I think initially I thought, oh no, is this a bit like when they did a, a remake of The Omen? You know, because remakes tend never to be can often be a disaster right. and ruin the original memory. I sort of think it could work. I don't know what their plans are. Um, I know they're going to bring some of the original cast back. Um, hang on, is that the phone? No, it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> they must have. I'm sure, I've sent them the right number. That Phil Redman, he never rings me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I sort of, I'm a big fan. Have been a huge fan, like millions of others, of Stranger Things on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I sort of think that Grain Shield could work really well as a movie if they set it back in the '80s and '90s, I guess. and maybe recast some of those core characters. Maybe you have sort of a merging of years. You sort of forgive them for a bit of getting the history wrong. And, and I think that could work really well, because if you look at Stranger Things, the reason it works so well, I think, is that they get the 1980s spot on. Yeah. It, you really feel like you are there. 
Yeah. And, and I wonder whether that would work really well because nostalgia, that's why, we, that's why everyone's still watching Dad's Army on BBC Two on a Saturday yeah. night because it's set in the past. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's what it wants. I don't know whether Grain Chill 21st century would really work because you're going to have school culture will have to have changed hugely. I mean, you know, having your, your wrist or your digital watch stolen by Gripper isn't really going to wash as being very <laughs> realistic, is it, in the 21st right. yeah. century? Yeah. Uh, it, the, the bullying might need to be a little bit more severe, sadly. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you, right there, and you, you've just you've just played around with this a little bit then. But if you were asked, would we see a return of Matthew Cartwright? I don't know. He's probably running. I don't know what he's doing. Um, no, I don't. I mean, if I was asked, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, the, the of course I would. Whether it be the right thing to do, I don't know. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, you know, would you like would you like to go to Alton Towers for the day? And that's what Grange Hill was like. It was yeah. like it was like spending a day with your friends, having a fantastic time. Oh yeah, you <laughs> had to learn a few lines, not bump into the furniture. Well, most of us, most of the time, manage that. Right. <laughs> okay. So, other than Matthew Cartwright, I, I normally ask other than your character who was your favorite character but you've said a couple of times there that you just found them really irritating so maybe this isn't the right question to ask you but who was your favorite character on Grangel? I think one of the most um I don't know I might be wrong but I think I think Peter Moran as Pogo Patterson was perfect right um I think he 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 delivered that role brilliantly because there was no menace there was some irritation. He yeah. was funny. And I think we all knew someone like Pogo. Yeah. So um, away from the original cast, I would say Pogo Patterson probably would be my favourite character. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Pogo is he changes, doesn't he? If he knew he could get away with it, he would tend to, you know, tease someone or whatever. But he changed, didn't he? He did grow up quite a lot on the programme, I think. And he was, and to be fair to him, he was hard as nails. You know, he took that advice from, from Bullet. If someone gives something, give it back. You know, he never backed down from a fight. No, he the was, Bogo, did he? He, 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 he messed up that common room well and truly yeah. <laughs> uh, with Gripper in a fight. Um, but yeah, Pogo, Pogo was a bit of a hero, I think. Brilliant. And so is that the character you would have liked to have played if you hadn't played? No, I like anyone else, if they're honest. Obviously, I wanted to be Claire Scott. (laughs) Simply so I could be Paul around Bland and I could actually uh, sing the locomotion. Right, okay. Fair enough. (laughs) Fair comments. No, no. (laughs) I think, uh, honest answer, I think think, um, Aunt Ricky Simmons, just because he had the best hair. (laughs) And 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 still has. Yeah. And, And I think, I think, yeah, I think... He was just popular for all the wrong reasons and all the right reasons. And I think, <laughs> you know, he was, you know, he wasn't, Matthew would have, I think Matthew had been at school at the same time as Anne. I think Matthew would have thought a bit of a bromance going on there. I, right, yeah. I think Matthew would have been trying to grow his hair out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I love that. And so then the last question, why do you think there is still such affection for Grange Hill? Well, I'm going to say, why do you do this podcast? Right, okay. So from, I, I realised quite a while back on Twitter that there was no sort of Twitter, Twitter a Grange Hill Twitter account. Maybe that was a good thing, maybe that was a bad thing. So I, I kind of started up alongside someone who was a, an admin on one of the Facebook groups. 
he had one sort of going around about the same time. And then it just became apparent that there is still, you know, a lot of people out there who, who like uh, Grange Hill. And uh, 18 months, a year or so ago, someone got in touch with me and said, if you'd ever thought about doing a podcast about Grange Hill, and, I mean, podcasting had never been a thing I'd even considered. So I looked at what television program podcasts were like, and nearly all of them involve someone watching an episode of a program and then talking about it for half an hour or an hour. And I just thought, no, I'm not doing that. No one's going to want, no one's going to want to listen to me talk about my opinions of an episode of a children's TV drama from 40 years ago. That's just not going to happen. But a lad who, who I knew from growing up had just started a, a, a podcast about amateur football in Liverpool where he interviews people who've played amateur football. He's interviewed some professional footballers as well. And I just thought that could be something I could do if I could interview people who were in Grange Hill. That, that I, I think there might be a market for that there. And so well, I said... Well, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And it's down to good storytelling. It's nostalgia. Yeah. And the fact that we forget, some people forget that Grange Hill changed the mould. It changed yeah. the mould of, of TV for children. And that's down to the brilliance of Phil Redman, the directors, the production team, the writers, yeah, and that, and that original cast. Um, so I guess that's why it endures. Yeah. Lee Spark said to me in, in the second episode that did, Lee Spark played Joni Jones, said the thing about Grange Hill was everyone could identify with a character. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, there was the, the kids who'd been bullied, there was the kids who were bullying, there was the money makers, there was the popular kids, there was, you know, all, all those things like so that uh, everyone could do that. Uh, Phil Redmond, you know, he, he saw something, you know, he, he, and, 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 he, and he put it on the screen for everyone. Well, Nick, it's been brilliant talking to you about your experience. So thank you so much. Well, I'm going to say again, right, we're recording this on Wednesday night. On Sunday, we, 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 I interviewed Nick, and for whatever reason, my computer decided it didn't want to play, and we only got seven minutes recorded. So this is basically a repeat of our interview from, from Sunday. Well, do, you, do you know what, don't you? If you'd gone to computer club like Matthew, that you wouldn't have had those problems. No, no definitely not. Definitely not. So th- thanks for coming on twice, you know, <laughs> g- giving up your time for it, because it, it, it has been brilliant talking to you and giving us your, your take and, and your experiences on, on being... On, on Grange Hill. So once again, thank you so much. Thanks well, again. No, thank you. Thank you for doing it. And thank you for keeping the programme alive for people that love a bit of Grange Hill talk. You're very welcome. Very welcome. And for anyone who's listening, I'll speak to you next time. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye.